millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with Sunny Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back ahead of what feels like possibly the biggest game of my life. It probably isn't, but we play Watford at the Stadium of Light, last home game of the season, with everything riding on it. For some reason, the gods have conspired to allow Sunderland to still have a chance of getting promoted, and we are sat here two games from the end of the season with it completely in our hands. So joining me, as always, is Chris. Hi, mate. Hello, Gavin. Yes, I'm looking forward to talking about how big this game is because I'm not feeling that the, the scale of it yet because I'm so relaxed <laughs> about this season and the end of this season. Yeah, um, I'm hoping yeah. it's going to build up as we as we go through this pod. And also with us is Martin. Hey, mate. Hello, Gav. Yeah, similarly looking forward to seeing what transpires. But yeah, like, as Chris said, it's it's a funny a funny feeling if you talk, look at how we were all feeling this time last year with the League One playoffs and desperate to get in, desperate to go up. We had to go up. It's a completely different feeling this time, isn't it? So it's going to be um, mm. it's going to be a fun couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, have you come down from cloud nine yet, Chris? Because me and you were absolutely bouncing off the walls the other day when we recorded. <laughs> well, uh, yes and no, because again, <laughs> the results during the week, I just, it's getting scary how, I, I was talking to someone the other night, I was talking to actually a Sheffield United fan the other night, I was asking them to beat West Brom <laughs> as kindly as I could. I, I just I was telling him that it's it's getting a bit scary how well the results are going for us. I mean, this never happens to Sunderland. I mean, I, and I don't know what it's building up to. <laughs> it's almost scary what it's building up to because everything's going as you said. The gods seem to be on our side, and with Sunderland, because I think I've always had this feeling that people from Sunderland, are, you know, more often than not glass half empty i'm trying to look where we're going to trip up what's going to go wrong <laughs> and I, I don't want it to but I'm, it's, it's just that scary feeling of things are going too right and i'm I, it, it's scary feeling because it, it doesn't often happen to us no well we said about the games in midweek they've got to go our way obviously and i mean it was perfect <laughs> burnley didn't play well but won the league at blackburn which was their game in hand chef united Battered for the second half, I felt West Brom at the important time. They battered them in the second half, which was West Brom's game in hand. Sheffield United got promoted, which which means it's completely in our hands. And I, I, there's just no explaining the way the results have went since that Huddersfield game. I mean, it wasn't. It feels like months ago now, but it was only what like a week and a half ago when me and you spoke, Chris, about the Huddersfield game, and 
we were we were sort of resigned to the season probably being over at that point. We felt like you know we even had a bit of an inquest, didn't we? we sort of work trying to work out what maybe could have went better for us, and I just never seen this coming. You know what I mean? Did you see it coming, Martin? Because obviously it's been a while. Uh, since you were on, you were on last before Hull, weren't you? I think it it's was. It's been a little while, but no, nobody saw this coming, surely. Well, we we didn't, did we? I think on that pod, it was um, it was we were talking about you know which players we would give experience to for next season in in the in the six or seven games that remained. We were kind of looking at it as a bit of a, a running into pre season and start start next season. Well, and all of a sudden, it's um, it's kind of conspired. Um, for us, which is is very unusual position to be in as a, a Sunderland supporter, isn't it? But it's um yeah, it's kind of, mm. it's freaky how so far over the last couple of weeks the results have gone for us. But as you and Chris said on on the pod the other day, you know, you couldn't have picked two better games for Blackburn and Sheffield United. Mm. Sorry, Blackburn and West Brom to have against um Burnley and Sheffield United. If you're going to pick some fixtures for those teams to have at this point of the season, those would be the ones you, you'd pick. Um, so it's kind of worked out well for us, and like I am, um, you know, in, in, did a piece on on the website on Monday, an editorial piece, and I kind of said that I, I didn't think would be still in sixth place come the, the start of kickoff on on Saturday, and we are going to be. So hey, who, well, who knows what? Knows depend, depends on the Millwall game, doesn't it? Well, it, or, it, it does. That's, that's right. That's the one fixture yeah. that's, that's left. But like the way things are going. You'd put your money on Blackpool at the moment, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Aye, the way, the, way, the way things sort of transpired. And that, again, that's another another just important game. But like I say, it's in our hands. So regardless of whether Millwall win or not, you know, we've got two games left. If we win them both, we get promoted. And also, like, obviously, Millwall have got that game on Friday and Blackburn are playing. And then Millwall played Blackburn on the last game of the yes. season. So the fixtures are actually lining up. Yeah, and it. And they both can't finish with six points out of them two games. No. So four points could even be enough if because we have a good goal difference as well. But you don't want it you don't want it to be four points, Chris, but knowing Sunderland it probably will come down to something like that. You know, they'll make us bite well, our nails right till the end. I was gonna I was gonna put it back to you two there. I mean that that you know, if we're looking we're expecting a full house uh, against Watford. I mean the tickets are, are selling kind of ridiculously well. We're sell we I think we've sold the concourse now and we're I mean we're expecting a massive crowd. Two games left, you know, it's in our hands. If we win those two games, it's likely we, we should be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think the only the only thing is that goal difference and, you know, Millwall have got to, got to turn that over. But we've seen lots of big games, you know, games we have to win to stay up, games, you know, semi-finals of the cup. I mean, considering where we've come from in the last 12 months, how big is this game? Is, the, is it really massive? Because I'm still feeling that, even if we don't make it, even if let's say we slip up at the last stage, like the trajectory that the club's on, it doesn't feel like you know at times where it's felt felt like all or nothing. Like if we if we go down, it's a disaster, or if we get beat, or if we don't make it, it it won't feel like a disaster. So I don't feel like it's huge, like I have done in the past with with other games. I mean, how big do you two think this game is? Um. It it definitely yeah it feels big to me and I, I didn't want it to but it just does because I think of the <laughs> amount of buzz around it, the fact that it is going to be close to a sellout and that that just tells you everything really people are sort of coming out in their droves to be there and that's the first time that's happened this season I think but I think you're right though in this in the same breath I think you're right if we don't get promoted like, and I've said this loads recently if we don't get promoted 
I'm not going to be sat there slagging the manager off, slagging the players off, slagging the club off because like nobody expected to be where we are. This should not have happened. Categorically, should not have happened. With all the problems we've had, losing a manager, losing so many good players for months and months at a time and season enders and everything, and playing like a back three, two full-backs and centre midfielder and getting getting results and clean sheets. And you're just looking at anything and like... This should not have happened. So to be sat here, even being in this conversation, is amazing to me. And I mean, I will be disappointed if it goes sour, I think. But that disappointment won't last very long. Because everything underpinning this is that, you know, this is way above what we thought we'd do this year. And I actually think if we don't get promoted, it'll be the making of this team anyways. Because they'll have tasted what it, what it's like. And... They've learned so much. Like being in this, being in this environment and being under this much pressure at crucial points in the season for the experience of young players is invaluable. Where do you buy that? You you can't, you know. So for me, yes, it is a massive game, but I don't think I'm going to be sort of really negative about things if things don't go as well as possible. For me, it's it's a massive game for the team, but it's not a massive game for the club. And I think. It's kind. It's like a free hit to me. Like we didn't expect, as you said. Like we shouldn't be in this position. It's it's absolutely astronomically baffling that we are, but we are, and we deserve to be. But if you know, if you go back to I said earlier, like go back to how we were feeling before the playoff semi last season. That's pressure. That's a big game because the future at the club's at stake. And I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in two minds about whether I actually want us to go up or not because. I, I'm, I, I am, I was really looking forward to seeing this team with a year under its belt, playing the championship with strikers, with a bit more reinforcement. And I think like that, we could be in for one of the best seasons that we've had watching Sunderland because I don't know if it's like the older that you get, but you just want to watch a good team playing well, scoring goals. And I'd much rather watch us play like we have this season than getting battered in the Premier League every week. Like, it's far more enjoyable as a supporter to watch us play well and watch good players develop. So I'm kind of like, it's that double-edged sword. Obviously, you want the club to be as successful as possible. After the the four seasons we've had in League One, from a financial perspective, going up will be, will be brilliant. But there's kind of part of me that would rather we had two or three seasons of championship experience with this group of players under our belt before we actually go and, go and tackle it head-on. Like, but... As we've said a few times, you can't pick and choose when you're going to get promoted. Hmm. And we could very That's easily it. not go up this yeah. season and finish fifth off bottom next season. There's no predictable. Huddersfield. About it. There you go, Huddersfield. Well, exactly. We're a dodgy VAR call away from the Premier League yeah. and look at them. So the you, season, you, look, you know? if it comes along, you take it, don't you? Yeah. yeah and we're going we're gonna to be a prime target for for the vultures if if we don't go up because a lot there's gonna be a lot of interest around some of our young players. You know oh, that, how yeah. how well the likes of Clark's played this season, and he's going to attract interest. But like you said, I mean, the fact that they're enjoying their football now is is huge for them because now we've got this model where we're signing players who you know their careers might not be going as well as they want, or, or you know, and, and they're at a certain age where they need to play football. We bring them in, you know, they get first team football. They're enjoying their football. You know I was going to say, like, like Jack Clark's a per- perfect example, isn't he? Like he's come in and played really, really well. Had a good season, one of our best best players, better players. He's been linked with, um, I think, Palace, hasn't he? And you kind of think, 
if he hadn't had that experience of going to Spurs from, from Leeds, then players could be tempted. But you kind of learn from, from that, don't you? As a, any, anybody in, in life, you kind of learn from those experiences. And those players are far better off sticking with us, playing football every week, developing. Like, look, at like there's so many examples in the team, isn't there, of players who have been given a chance. And some of them being by virtue of the fact we've had injuries. But like Trey Hume come in out, absolutely outstanding. Like, absolutely Premier League fullback in, in the making. And there's others like Mishu who's been given a chance because Corey Evans has been injured. And all these players are just developing so well. And, like, you know, the, the thing is, if we do go up, the, I don't think the model will change that dramatically. But those younger players who might not drop into the championship, they'll go, that's an opportunity there to, to play regular mm-hmm. Premier League football. All of this squad is going to be so much better off for this season. All of all of these players, you think, because of their age, they could be Premier League players in you know two, three, four years time. But you know, next season, if if it's dropped on them, you know, you hear you hear some people say that people get more time on the ball in the Premier League, and sometimes you know, sometimes it actually suits these creative players better than playing in the Championship when you've got some bruiser, thirty-four year old bruiser coming through the back of them. And, and kind of chopping them in half and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you, you never know. But, it, it, again, it's it's looking at these like two games, like I said, these two games, pressure games, which, and I think I said in the last pod, that all of the players seem to be playing with a smile on their face. Like, it doesn't, you look at the, this team, it doesn't look like they feel any sort of pressure whatsoever. I mean, I saw a video during the week, you know, the, the media team did something in and around the club where they're asking players who their player of the season is. You saw the players, they just all looked relaxed, like they're having a laugh, like they're just enjoying it. Like They seem to be looking at it exactly the way Gav described. Oh, you did, Martin. We shouldn't be here, so let's just enjoy the ride. And I think I get the feeling that Mowbray and his management team behind the scenes are saying, look, lads, like, you just enjoy it. <laughs> you know, yeah. how, many t- how many times mm-hmm. do you get an opportunity to be in this position and the pressure's not on and you've got, you've got a free hit where the fans aren't desperate to get promotion, promoted, the club aren't telling you that. This is going to be the consequence. People might get sacked or whatever. Just enjoy it. It's 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 really good pressure to have. If you contrast it to some of the positions that we've been in in the past, have been similar to the the one that West Brom are in. Like you know, if, if they if they don't go up, they're going to be in all sorts of trouble and have to sell pretty much everybody who's got got a leg. So like, there's there's pressure. That's that's after what I've seen from West Brom this week. I'm they're not going to. They're not going to uh, have much. much success there because <laughs> <laughs> they haven't. I don't think they've got three or four players that would make but, any money. To be fair, but. no, that's right. But it's, it's a completely different type of pressure, isn't it? And it's mm. it's that like, and I think the players have probably been talking about going up more than we have. Like Jack Clark said something in an interview about a month ago about you know wanting to achieve the target that this the started with at the um the start of the season, and that was you know looking upwards in the table rather than downwards. And you know yeah. the players might have been talking about, but the, there hasn't been any pressure on from supporters. I think from a a club point of view, there's no no pressure. There's no immediate need from a financial perspective to go up. And often it's that team, isn't it, who sort of creeps up on the rails, gets into the playoffs at the last couple of weeks of the season. That's got the momentum, got the confidence, got that yeah. you know no lose attitude. And like we've been in it in 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 reverse, haven't we? Where we kind of dropped out the the top two into the playoffs in the last few weeks of the season. And that's when there's pressure and expectation because everybody's pissed off because you haven't actually yeah. seen it through. And it's just got yeah. it's completely different. I've never actually experienced this sort of promotion challenge 
in my life supporting Sunderland is completely different. It feels so different. Doesn't it? Say I don't know. It might just be me, but it reminds me a little bit of when we. I know we we won the league under Roy Keane, but we were fighting from underneath all season, and it was only the last couple of games where we we actually broached the top two, didn't we? So we because we started so badly, and then when Keane first came in, he did improve us, but not promotion level improvement then we had a really good January and then from then on we just sort of developed this consistency and it sort of feels like that a little bit to me but I mean it, it, it it's not a carbon copy there's never been in my life a team like this I think that one built up a real head of steam didn't I think the, the, yeah. the closest one is a season that Chris and I are pretty familiar with is the um, 89-90 season where we we finished six, and no, you know, nobody expected us to go up that season. I was, I was just a twinkle in my dad's eye then. <laughs> but, uh, that's probably the most, um, the, the one with the most comparison. But even then, we were a little bit further up. It was it was a good season all, all round. We should do a podcast on that. <laughs> we should. <laughs> well, I, I was actually thinking the season before that. You know, like the the exact comparison. The last time we came up from. Uh, the third tier, uh, so that 88-89. I mean, that season, you know, end of January, we were flirting with the playoffs. And it was like it, it was like this season, it was almost like a free hit. It was like, well, yeah, you yeah. know, we've just we've just come up from the third division. We're on the brink of the playoffs in January, February. And then we went on a late, late run, got into people's minds later on that we might have another flirt with it. But it, it was it was that feeling as well where it was like, well, mid table's brilliant, but we had a little flirt with it. But yeah. it was actually this season, except we went on a better run towards the end and jumped into the playoffs this this time around. So it, that, that's the kind of comparison I put. But again, it's we keep coming back to that point. We're talking about the potential look, potential disappointment because it's Sunderland and it might not go right. We've got two games left. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, referee referee might make a bad decision or whatever, might have a player sent off. Who knows? But we shouldn't underestimate the achievement to get in this position because I don't I don't want to come out of this if we if we are ultimately disappointed and finish seventh or eighth, to forget about that seventh or eighth, how how good an achievement that would be. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just don't think we should lose sight of that because I just, I just think either way it's been a fantastic season. This game on Saturday, then it it, it interests me in, uh, just sort of a, as a game on its own because regardless of all the other stuff, you know where we are in the league and the potential of being promoted and all the rest of it. Like normally, I would I would look at this and think, oh, home game we're not as great at home. Watford are. A team have just been relegated from the top flight. They've still got players who were actually good players at that level. But then you dig a little bit deeper. And I was listening to a, to a, an opposition podcast yesterday. They are totally defeated. think the season was over months ago. They're just one shot of every player they've got. They don't like the manager. They don't like the owners. Like, it's a weird game, isn't it? Because normally especially with a big crowd and a little bit more expectation on it, this is where we trip up <laughs> traditionally. You know, we've done it before, haven't we? I, just, I always think back to that one when Defoe came back. You know, big crowd, <laughs> banners and surfers and all the rest of it, and we were terrible. It, it, I don't know what to expect, Martin, with this one, because everything tells us we should win this game, but you can't help that glass-half-empty side of a Sunderland fan coming out and thinking, if we were ever going to trip up and... And maybe not get things right. It might be this one. And like, there's there's every chance. And I think my um, head prediction, I guess, is we draw. Like, I, I just see us mm. drawing. I think we get four points out of the two games. I think we'll draw 
at home to to Watford and beat beat Preston, and that that could be enough. It's interesting. It's going to be a really interesting game to look at how we actually approach it because in reality, this game in Preston, they're, they're almost kind of one-off games. Like the, it's like, I know the league points are obviously important, but we have to get results, and nothing else matters apart from getting those results. And you know, big crowd. We've had home games recently where we we've scored a lot of goals and should have won. And the whole game was a crazy game. The Huddersfield game, we didn't score as many as we. We probably should have and and drop points. So our home form, as we've talked about previously, it's, it hasn't been the best. We've got a little bit of a problem playing at home to, to some extent. I think we're more adept at playing away when teams come at us. And Watford aren't going to come at us. Oh, you know, they the, the, the might do. They might have that freedom that comes with not having anything to play for and just think sod it and and go for it and and come out and attack and. It's kind of it's unpredictable. Just from from what I hear, like that's the exact opposite of what they've done in the last few weeks. And I think everything there yeah. is kind of a, a problem, isn't it? Like there's talk yeah. over like Wilder's not going to be there at the end of the season. They're, they're in a bit of a limbo period. And did you hear his interview by the way last week where he just sort of they, they got beaten? He just came out and said like he was pretty frank about all the problems. That was clearly a man who knows he's not staying in that job beyond the next few weeks because yeah. he just wasn't bothered at all. But it was. It's everything everyone says about Watford, isn't it? They're an absolute basket case of a club. Well, I remember speaking, we, we did a podcast with Adam Leventhal earlier in the season. And um, he, he, I remember him talking about it and just saying almost kind of, this is the way that you know, Watford, Watford fans are just getting used to it. And that was that was the way they do things. But, mm. I, and, and it's funny because all, all of the rest of the football world has said for a long time that it, it won't work. It shouldn't work. It's not going to work. And they keep kind of pulling it off and pulling it out the bag and going up and down where kind of Watford's position, natural position, probably is, and that that's probably about their ceiling. So they were about there or thereabouts. But I honestly think that they've now done it so often, and this season they've tried to they've tried to do it to the extreme that I think it's finally bitten them on the backside. I think it's finally. You know, it's finally fallen down. It's crumbling down. This kind of policy of just churning. Right, a manager he, he loses two. Right, change him. Right, next month he lo- he doesn't win in three. Right, change him. It's not far off what we were like in the prem. To be honest, uh, no, I was yeah. say it sounds familiar. No. Isn't yeah, it? but mm. but it's this and it's this thing. If you haven't got this, is when you compare it about our model and what we're doing. Like Christian Speakman's putting in this model where he's putting in this. He's building a club where. If Alex Neal decides to go to Stoke City, we bring Tony Mowbray and nothing changes on the pitch because he's brought players in to play a certain way and managers, people who we appoint have to buy into that. So you don't get you don't get three managers in a season buying players to play their system and then at the end of the season, you've got 26 players in a squad, you know, a third of which were brought in to play this way, a third of which were brought in to play that way and the, ne- the last third was brought in to play the last manager's kind of way of playing and style of play. It's, we've got a squad to play a style of football and to play our football. And it, and, and it's refreshing to say that. I mean, how, how long have we been saying over the last decade, you know, what is Sunderland? What are we all about? And like you said, Gav, churning through managers, you don't get that. You don't get that identity. And now that we can churn through managers, like let's, I mean, for argument's sake, let's say Mowbray gets a fantastic offer from I don't know Cadbury's in the summer or or something like that, <laughs> and and he he does one, it wouldn't make a difference to the club. 
you, you know for a fact that Christian Speakman's got a list in a drawer in his office where if Mowbray leaves, he gets the list out and go, right, who's next? Right, yep, get him in. And the club doesn't change. And and Watford Watford are a mess because they haven't got that. And they, they just trust, they just think, we'll appoint a good manager, he'll do the job. Oh, no, he hasn't done the job. Get the next one. Oh, he, he can't do the job. And I think now it's finally, I mean, I, I was just reading a story there. I mean, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, like you said, Wilder saying that cultural reset may be needed at Watford. <laughs> and it's it just, it's so refreshing that we've had that and we've got that. And you look at teams like Watford and mm. you're glad we're not going down that road. Well, they, they've got a model where they basically their owners own a couple of other clubs and the players just sort of swap between clubs every other year. And what the, sim- the big symptom of that is you, you're not bringing in characters, you're bringing in, right, this player's got this attribute, that attribute, he's this old, he's play, you know, he score goals or whatever. They're not looking at the character and whether they actually fit the model of the club and the fan base and, and all the rest of it. And what's happened is they've just got this mis- mishmash of nationalities, ages, personalities, which just doesn't work. And that's why they dropped out the Premier League. That's why no manager can get this working because the, none of those players are their players. And and that's why they're, they are where they are, by the sounds of it. And again, it <laughs> just reminds us of us a little bit when we were chopping and changing every year in the Prem. And it could be a slippery slope for Watford if they're not careful, really, Martin, couldn't it? Certainly could. And pick up something that Chris mentioned there, and I completely agree with that that whole thing about essentially the head coach at Sunderland now is interchangeable and you know the, the, the recruitment isn't dependent on the, the person who's in charge of the team. But you said you know things don't change on, on the pitch, and I, fundamentally that, that's right. But I would say that it'd be interesting wouldn't it, to, to see how we would have done with Alex Neal because I think Tony Mowbray has actually been a better fit for this group of players with the you know the, the setup and the expectation that we've had this season because for a lot of the time he's just gone, just go out and play. There hasn't been too much emphasis on defensive tactics until the last few weeks when we've gone away from home and and looked more solid and and put um so maybe more defensive performances in. But um at the start of the season we our football wasn't as impressive as it has it's transpired to be. You know, Patrick Roberts wasn't in the team that much under Neil and I think we'd have seen a, a completely different season had we or had Alex Neil stuck with us rather than us sticking with him. But it's kind of worked out for for the best really, hasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you knew my feelings at the time that I, I actually didn't think the club were that bothered <laughs> when <laughs> when Alex Neil went. I, I genuinely didn't, and I, I said to you a lot at the time. But I, I yeah, I, I don't think the club was that, that fussed because, and don't get us wrong, I thought Alex Neil, you know, he did a fantastic job and all that sort of stuff. He is a he is a good he is a good manager. But I, and again, Martin, on that point, you're right. I don't think he fit what we were trying to do. I don't think the club thought he was ideal for taking kind of what they want to do, that kind of vision forward. And I think he would have done a good job. I think he would have he would have been fine. But I think he would have been gritting his teeth and the club would have knew that, that yeah. he, he wasn't totally bought into it. And uh, and like I said, they've got they've got someone now in Tony Mowbray who they're just saying, bring these players on and that's your only job really. Keep us keep us above water from the bottom, keep us out of the mess at the bottom, develop these players. And that's your job, and I think he's enjoying it, and the club are enjoying have someone like that who knows who's bought into it. That's the thing. I mean, whether Alex Neil would have been more defensive, and Tony Mowbray has kind of taken the leash off them and just said, "Go and do your thing." I mean, yeah, it would have it would have been interesting, especially 
how Alex Neil would have gotten on without a striker, um, I'm not sure how that would have worked. But uh, but yeah. Well, Watford's recent form: last two they've lost uh, Hull away one nil, and lost three one to Cardiff. And we played Cardiff the other week. That was shocking, weren't they? So, I mean, I, I, this game, Martin. I guess in a lot of ways, like I went, I said before, you know, we ordinarily I would look at this and think. Like this is a tough game, but is it? I don't know. How, what's the general feeling about this as a as a game? Take all the other stuff out of the equation. Like you know, do you think we'll win this or not? <laughs> well, just, I, I think it's probably uh, more likely it's a draw. But that's um, put that to one side. I think it's, it completely uh, depends on how we come out and you know the, get the crowd on our side and keep that momentum up. And you know we've we've started some games pretty well, and I think it's getting you know yeah. if we get that early goal. As we've seen with games at the stadium, like before with with big big crowds, we get that early goal and momentum's behind us. Like the, the Chelsea, um, the Chelsea game in the Premier League always springs mind when you look at that. How you harness the energy from the crowd to get you over the line, like that's that's a prime example. That's six in in my mm. mind. But you know, it's gonna. I think it will be a tough game, and it's kind of part of you thinks uh, you'd rather be playing a team with something to play for that's got to come out yeah. at you and is going to put. They make a, a real game of it, and you know they could come out or could they could sit behind the ball and just want us to break them down. And it's 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 a really difficult one to to predict how it's going to go. Well, and Martin's but, right, Chris, but, but, in that he's talking about the obviously the you know the the way that we come out is really important, and and the fact that you know this what regards what we think personally. This is going to be a bigger feeling occasion. There's going to be a massive crowd there. Obviously, uh, ourselves, the other fanzines and fan groups, we've all came together to call on fans just to whatever little bit of extra effort that can do on the match day, whether that's bring flags, scarves, wear red and white, get in a little bit earlier, stay past full time because the players will get that lap of applause and all the rest of it. Like that Hopefully that will feed into a much bigger feeling atmosphere. Obviously, the Spirit of 37 are doing a big displaying all stands if they can get the volunteers to help and stuff so like that that energy at the start of the game it is going to be high it's going to be important to how we start the game and something me and you have talked about loads this season is the way we start halves and stuff isn't it you know normally it's the second half where we falter but we do have to have a really good first 20 minutes or so to set the tone to hopefully get that early goal because I, I always fancy just to score but it's about how we sort of if we get that early goal, can we go on from there? Or are we going to sit back and let Watford into the game? It is important that we sort of all that energy that's in the ground, we harness it. Well, look, you know this is this is Sunderland. We have to remember, and we'll pay. We'll, <laughs> you know, we'll pay, we've done quite a few rodeos with Sunderland, so we know we know the score, don't we? Because you know Watford haven't won away since the second of January against Norwich City. Since then, they've had a pretty horrific uh, record away from home. Even last month, they got beat at QPR, who I think, you know, the last couple of months, QPR possibly being one of the worst teams in the division. So they went to QPR and got beat. And they're on, a, they're on an absolutely stinking run. Last couple of games, as you said, they've been beaten by Hull and Cardiff, who we think are, and we've seen for ourselves are, are poor sides. I mean, how we drew fours each against them. Um, I'm still not quite sure how, how that happened. Uh, but it's a traditional Sunderland banana skin, isn't it? Where you're thinking... You know, we, we, you know, you look at the stats, you look at the odds, you look at us, you look at them, and you just think, well, it's three points, but it's it's Sunderland, and 
it's just it doesn't work out that way. And the the crowd aspect is a, is an interesting one because I mean it could work either way because you know a massive crowd, full house. I mean it it has you know because their chins are on the floor, but it has the potential for them to go. God, this is the big stage. This this is this is a massive game, and they they could end up being up for it just by default because they're playing in front of almost yeah. fifty thousand people. And you know they've and actually their, their squad's got some talent in it. They're just they're just not playing as a team now. If if they suddenly mm. turn it on in front of nearly fifty thousand people, you wouldn't be surprised because they they, they have got some talented players. Like you know, I think um, in in the podcast that Ant joined them on, he kind of he was rattling the players off that they've got they've got some talent. So you know that there is potential for them just to turn it on. And again, we've we've touched on our home form. I mean, if you look at if you look at our home form, I thought we were poor against Birmingham and we got away with it. I thought we were poor against Huddersfield. And actually, I think Huddersfield could have quite easily come away with three points for that. Hull, uh, you know, crazy game. I still don't know how we drew that. I mean, we, we should have beat Hull. Hull were poor, but I, I don't know how they scored four goals in that game. Um, Luton was a was a strange one because Luton are just a just an ugly side. I mean, I, I genuinely think our, our best performance, you know, since that, Stoke City um, disaster was Sheffield United at home. And bizarrely, we got beaten that game because, you know, Sheffield United are a really good side. But I think that's actually recently since that Stoke City game, that's been our best performance at home. And <laughs> we got beat, <laughs> which is not not a bad sign either that we didn't get beaten the other games because we didn't, we didn't play to our potential. And I come back to this point that I've said time and time again on this podcast, and I said before the West Brom game as well, we are so good as a side it depends on whether we turn up or not. If we turn up with the talent we've got, we beat Watford and we 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 have a routine victory against Watford. It's as simple as that. And mm. if we just need to we just need to be on it. Like West Brom game, we were on it. And you could see that even if we even when we went behind, you could see the side were on it. You could see we were playing well. We don't see that in home games. And we used that tactic against West Brom where we we drew them out. If we can draw teams out when they're sitting on the edge of the box, then, you know, but it needs patience and we need the fans to buy into that because it needs patience that we're going to knock it about a bit until we find an opening. Sometimes the temptation is just to do it too quickly and you give it away and then the, the, the opposition are on the break. So again, potential banana skin, our home form, we need to we need to find a way at home of, of routinely comfortably winning games. And uh, hopefully this is the one. How would you set up Martin for this one? Because as we've touched on throughout this pod, we do play differently away from home. No, we do, and I think defensively there isn't a great deal we can do. You've got you've got Cirkin, O Nine, and and Triume, who are the, the three fit defenders of of sorts anyway. So well, you've got Joe Anderson, well, Joe Anderson, and I don't but, think he's fancied, does he? Well, <laughs> and Mowbray has said he doesn't want to put Anderson into sort of no. high pressure games like this because. One mistake leaves them sort of tarnished in the, in the minds of, of supporters, and I think um, you know you can argue either way whether that's that's right or wrong. But given the performance that we put in against West Brom, you, you kind of look and say, well, in all likelihood, we're going to go in with that back. It's kind of a back three and a half, isn't it? Like Gucci is more defensive than, yeah. than Clark Circus tucking in more than. Than Gucci well, is. It's kind of a bit lopsided. I, thought, I thought he did. Then he decided he was Prime <laughs> Pelly last weekend. Yeah, I've got him him down for first goal scorer on Saturdays. Continues um, <laughs> his hot streak. But I think I think the interesting selections kind of in that midfield area. 
and whether he sticks with Equar or, or Mishu comes back in, and also whether Bar retains his place. I think um, Mowbray has talked about Bar. He, he likes selecting him away from home because he can stretch the game. He's got the legs to stretch it. And I suspect Barr will probably drop back to the bench on Saturday. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mishu came back in for, for Equar. I think um, Equar was brilliant on, on Sunday. I thought he had a cracking game. Um, but Mishu also did well when he came on as a sub. And I think Mowbray likes that ball retention that Mishu offers. So, yeah, and, like Patrick Roberts was the one I think Mowbray said he had sleepless nights about leaving out before West Brom. And whether he comes back in the team or we keep him yeah. on the bench to yeah. to have a, a run out as a sub to try to change the game if we need to. So there's a few selection dilemmas for him, but I think the, um, and t- saying this now, we'll go in with the really flat back four, won't you? But mm-hmm. I think um, the, the back three is the, the certainty. I've got a feeling that he'll probably go with the, well, he's not going to do, let's be honest, he's not going to do anything radical. It's the last home game of the season and he's, he's not really in that school of thought. It'll be... It'll be probably what you've just said there. It'll be probably Roberts coming in for Bar. It'll be Mishu coming in for Equa. And I think that'll probably be it, if I'm honest. Would you would you disagree at all there, Chris? Do you think there's anything else that you could possibly do? Pritchard, no, maybe? I think, I think that's I don't it. Know. No, no, I think that's it. I think that's exactly what he'll do. Um I I think he's got this, um, and you've seen recent games if you look at um look at Cardiff away, Burnley away, um, and and Norwich as well, actually. I think he's now got this he's got two different setups he likes doing he likes he's got a game plan away from home and he likes doing certain things at home and he likes as as martin said he likes that mishu's got that creative aspect at home and i don't think he i think mowbray thinks he doesn't need that kind of what equa did against west brom where he's pick you know picking off those passes west brom were trying to play through the middle and he did that really well actually at, at, at west brom i don't think he thinks he needs that at home he'd prefer to have dan neil and mishu mm. As a as a pair in midfield to to pull the strings and keep the ball, and and Roberts at home. I mean, every time he gets the ball, Roberts, you know, he, he's got you know people are on the edge of their seat, and that's what you want at home. And I think Bar, I think he likes Bar away from home just because he's got a bit more pace and he can he can get the ball forward a bit quicker than than Roberts. Yeah. He likes to take his time and beat a man, and 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 he generally checks back. So he's he's got these two mindsets at home and away, and, and I think you're exactly right. I think that's the two changes he's made. I can't see any more changes other than Roberts and uh, Mishu coming in. Um, the midfield battle, to be fair, is something I normally worry about, and obviously Ekwar being a bit more physical than Mishu, that's obviously why he gets selected away from home. But I don't, I don't actually fear Watford's midfield. I think sometimes when teams really want to scrap against us, we struggle in the middle, and that's often where the game's won and lost. And we've seen it with all the goals we've conceded recently. The majority of them have been, you know, losing the ball on the turnover, the midfield, overcommitting and things like that. And I look at them and I just think if if what we're hearing about them is true and they haven't really got the heart and the desire, then we'll win the midfield battle and we'll probably dominate the ball. And that'll suit us. That'll suit us a great deal. What doesn't suit us is ploughing forward, having loads of the ball, and their pace on the counter. You know, you look at yeah. Sema, Jao Pedro, Saw. They cause problems in the Premier League. They're all good players. Whether they're up for it or not, you know, is another thing entirely. Like I say, the Watford fans sort of scoff when you mention their names because they're all pretty much already on the beach, want to leave the club and all the rest of it. But, you, you know, you can't deny their ability. And that's where we're vulnerable. But what I would say is, is just we have to go and do what we've done all season. And I know our home form hasn't been great, but it doesn't really matter, does it? This is a big game for us, whether we like it or not. And we're going to we're gonna have to go out there and do 
what we've done all season. Push comes to shove and we have to dig in a bit. We we do have that ability. We've shown that away from home. We've shown that we've got, uh, even in some of the lads you wouldn't traditionally expect to be battlers, we've seen that. So I don't fear Watford at all. I might be made to eat me words. You know, we would do the review pod and I'll probably be sat there a bit more disheartened <laughs> if we if we don't turn up. But I just fancy us. I fancy us. And I always I always do when Chris laughs at us when I say we're going to win 1-0 or 2-0 or whatever. But I do. I think I think this is the one. Everyone's talking about the home form, and I think it's something we shouldn't worry about. I actually think the lads will turn up because they've turned up a lot recently, and I just think we'll win. I think it'll be a one or two nil win. Pretty comfortable performance from us where we dominate the ball. I see you nodding there, Martin. Do you agree? Well, <laughs> yeah. The 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 only the only thing that's kind of playing at the back of my mind is I reckon we've had two home games this season that Tony Mowbray has gone out and thought I want to win these games. I have to win the Stoke at home, Huddersfield, yeah. and he's tried to he's tried to set the team up to to attack and just go at them, and he's put Pritchard in the centre midfield on both occasions, and we've been overrun and caught on on the break, and we got away with it against Huddersfield, as Chris said, like Huddersfield could have very easily won that game, and obviously we all know what happened against Stoke, so I kind I, I just hope we approach this game as a as a normal <laughs> sort of game. That we just want to get the result out out of, rather than one that we have to have to win because that's been our downfall a couple of times this season. What's your gut feeling then on the result, Martin? I'll say a draw. I reckon. I reckon draw. we'll draw. Yeah, it's got it's got everything screams <laughs> a draw. Yeah, because it's Sunderland. Because exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but my my biggest concern, Gav, you're doing your usual. Um, where you're saying, oh, I think I think we'll win, and we, sh-, you know, I've just got a gut feeling we're going to win. Now, my reaction normally to that is to say, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I think it might be a draw or something like that. Um, my biggest concern is that I'm as confident as you, and that's that's a massive worry. Like, I'm not, no- I'm not normally this confident, and when I am this confident, it doesn't go to plan, and I'm, I'm a bit, I don't want to feel this confident. I want to, because I, I think. With the big crowd, how relaxed the squad looked, I just think, I, I just think we'll kind of steamroll a Watford. I think their chins are on the floor. I've I've talked about the potential mm. pitfalls that they might kind of get a boost from that, and they might catch us on the break. And they've we've got a team full of talented players, but like I said, I think it's down to us. I think if we turn up, we'll we'll win. If we're on it, we'll win. And I just think with this full house and the and and I also think you know that. This young squad, right? What think about what they've been through this season? You know, change of man. Their, their manager who took them up or most of them up who were in the squad last season. You know, they probably became attached to him quite a bit. Um, they were all singing his praises. Then he just disappeared. He did a Laurie McMenemy midnight flit and disappeared. <laughs> and then, and then you've got you know injuries to Ross Stewart, who they all love and relied on to to score goals. And then Ellis Sims was sent back and he was playing well and. You know, players, popular players like Corey Evans. You know, who was pro- you know big voice in the dressing room getting injured, and you could go on and on. You know, players dropping like flies and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I, you'd struggle to you know go through and name players in the in the squad who haven't had a decent spell out this season for one re- reason or another. So if you if you put all that together in and with this young squad, I just think that they they realise that they've worked too hard to kind of not. not kind of take advantage in these last two games and I just feel like that looking at that West Brom game they just seemed so focused and on it and 
it's scaring me now that I, I just feel even more confident <laughs> that will <laughs> that will uh, that will roll over Watford in uh, routine victory. I'm I'm going to say two 0 Fingers crossed. You're right. A uh, couple of things before we go. The Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen are doing a food bank collection located on the corner of the car park opposite the Rotor End Cafe and the Love Supreme Shop. Um, they'll be there from around about 1.30. So if you want to drop off any donations of food, that would be most welcome. They do have a wish list. It's up on our Twitter page and stuff uh, if you want to grab that. But yeah, even if it's a couple of little items on your way into the ground, it would be better than nothing. And it goes to feeding families on Wearside who need it. Uh, also... As I mentioned earlier, the Spirit of 37 group are planning to do displays around the ground on match day, um, hopefully to make the atmosphere as the players come out as good as possible. If you'd like to register your interest in helping them, make sure you reach out to them on social media. They are, uh, I think, over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those places, so look for Spirit of 37. And yeah, I think they need around 40 volunteers on match day. If people don't come forward ahead of time, they'll just pull people out of the crowd, but it'll happen. But yeah, if you'd like to help out, be a part of something pretty special, then make sure you do that. And uh, yeah, all that leaves me to say is thanks, lads. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully we're discussing a nice, lovely Sunderland win after the weekend. Thanks, Martin. Thank you very much. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Hey, we, we could be... Yeah. By virtue of the fact all the other teams get beat, we could be in the playoffs guaranteed <laughs> on Saturday night. Couldn't we hear you? That's that'd be a nice oh, position to be in. The way things have gone recently <laughs> wouldn't surprise you, would it? And uh cheers, Chris, as always, mate. No worries. Um, my hotel in London is booked. It's over. <laughs> Same. Uh cheers to the listeners, and we'll catch you after the game. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.